Hello and welcome to another episode of Solo Powered with me, Ariana Dunn. Before we kick into the next episode, I want to once again thank our incredible sponsors, Seafield Hotel and Spa Resort in Ballymoney, County Wexford. As I've said already, they are offering incredible solo packages for people who want to go and enjoy some relaxing rejuvenation in the beautiful surrounds of their fabulous spa resort. The package is €168 for overnight stay bed and breakfast in their deluxe bedroom, access to their thermal suite in their award-winning Oshio Spa, as well as a three-course meal for one in the Grill Restaurant. It's an incredible deal, an incredible package. If you aren't someone who has been away solo, you have to book this deal it is absolutely incredible and a wonderful opportunity for you to experience a solo trip a solo night away a solo meal and just spending some quality time with yourself as i said before we're also offering a competition to a lucky listener to win this fabulous solo package flying solo package all you have to do is tag me and them on Instagram with a picture of you doing something solo. We've already had a few entries, so keep them coming in. It's lovely to see people embracing the solo life. Even if it's just going for a solo walk in nature, tag me and you can be in with the chance of winning a fabulous flying solo package in Seafield Hotel and Spa Resort. And now I'm gonna let you enjoy the next episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Solo Powered with me, Ariana Dunn. This is a podcast that celebrates doing things solo, whether that be solo travel, solo business, solo journey to parenthood, single by choice, solo adventures, or solo pursuits of passion. Remember, this is not about living a lonely life, it's about living the most full life on your terms. I'm so excited to have my next guest. We've had some amazing people already on the podcast who have rowed solo across the Atlantic or rowed in a handmade canoe through Ireland. I have lots of people coming on and talking about their various different adventures, whether it be on motorbike or by sea or by land. One of those incredible women is Sinead Kennedy, who is my guest on the podcast this week. Sinead is a fitness fanatic. She's a world traveler. She has a business as a well-being, um, relationship and business coach and mentor. She's also written a book called Life is a Cycle, which talks about her amazing exploits cycling on her bicycle around the world and taking in lots of um, culture and adventure, meeting wonderful new people and just celebrating and enjoying her life to the absolute fullest. I'm so excited to have Sinead on the podcast to talk about her experiences as a solo powered woman. Sinead, thank you very much. Hi, Ariana. Thanks very much for having me on today. Um, So tell us now, Sinead, obviously you've written this lovely book, but tell us your journey to kind of getting to sitting on that bicycle, putting on that Lycra and, you know, turning your life into this person who's traveling all around. Take us back and tell us kind of like what your life was like up to that point. Um, So my book starts in 2005 and there's a very good reason for that. And the reason was, was that that's when my life absolutely 
I was in a very, very dark place, Ariana, and I've ended up in St. Pat's psychiatric ward. Um, I was actually on the suicide ward. So, you know, they were shining a torch in my face every 15 minutes and checking in on me. And it was in there that I realized that, oh, God, this, you know, this is not a joke. This is actually very serious where I've got myself. And I got the fright of my life, to be honest with you. And um, up till that point, I was living a life that I just wasn't happy in. I always felt I was faking it. I always felt I didn't belong. I always felt that I was trying to be somebody or something that I just I just wasn't. And every time I tried to be that sort of, you know, uh, South County Dublin, you know, girl about town, I just failed miserably. I would fall flat on my face and, um, you know, and then I'd have to pick myself up and put on the facade and go again. And then eventually I just kind of realized you know what, maybe this fake life isn't for me after all. And maybe it's time I got honest with myself. And um, and that's what happened in St. Pat's, thankfully. Um, I knew myself I wasn't sick per se. You know, I, you know, obviously they're looking at things like bipolar and very serious things in there. But I just knew that I was living the wrong life. I was walking in somebody else's shoes and I needed to walk in my own. Wow. And that's where the book starts is when I decide to take off those shoes, put on my own. So 2005, you're 32 at that stage, 32. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I know that you had bought a house. I, I, I mentioned just before we came on the episode that I had with Dr. Peter McCora, our behavioral psychologist from Colorado University, who was on the episode a few episodes back talking about this kind of the relationship escalator or this kind of life escalator that we're all expected to be on. So, you know, we go, go to school, we graduate, we go to college, we meet someone, we settle down, we fall in love, we buy a house, we have babies and then we die. Right. So this kind of idea that this is how everybody kind of should live their lives. And if they don't, there's a there's a, a question mark over that. It's like we're living some sort of alternative lifestyle. Right. And this is, I suppose, what I'm trying to do with the podcast and with Solo Pirate is to show that actually lots of people are living different lives, not even alternative lives, but just their own life, which is exactly what you're talking about here, that we don't need to fit some sort of cookie cutter version of what everybody else is doing. Then it's really important that we find our own path. And I mean, I know that you had kind of fallen to that sort of pressure, right? You had bought a house and you were in a relationship. Talk to us about that. So in 2005, the the thing was, what happened was I signed for my house on Monday mm-hmm. and, and I was miserable signing for my house. I wasn't happy about signing for a house because I had bought it on my own. And I remember the day I sort of uh, bought it I, I cried because I was buying it on my own and I was like I'm going to be a spinster forever and you know I thought my life was over and um, which is actually ridiculous it really isn't it Sinead because like what an achievement as a woman of 32 years of age to buy a house on your own to be able to do that to have the the, the, the you know something I bought my apartment on my own and I'm you know but I did I did delay buying my apartment by myself because I was thinking oh well I don't want to buy it on my own I want to buy it with somebody else and now having bought it on my own I'm so proud of the fact that I've bought it on my own like you know it is such an achievement that I didn't need uh, anybody else that I did it on my own so it, it is just even in that the stigma that that people attach to these types of things that they think that they're failing because they're doing it on their own as opposed to celebrating it it's such a it's, so, it's such a shame isn't it it's it's really very sad and, you know, now I'm like thrilled that I have my own property. Yeah. And, you know, and even if, 
even if I do meet somebody along the road or whatever, I will always have my own. That's property. what I always say too. Exactly. That will never, it will never, never go part of the, mar- if, if I ever get married, this is in the prenup. This is my, my, my property, you know? Yeah. No, hands off. And and even now it's funny because now I, I think because I'm 50 now and I think, you know, if I do meet somebody, no, you'll have your property. I'll have mine and we'll just, you know, mix and match between the two, but what's yours is yours and what's mine is mine. And that's the way it'll be. 100%. Um, and that's the other thing that they were talking about, you know, on, you know, this new way of being in a relationship. I'm the same. If I meet someone, I'm not going to move in with anyone. I don't want to sleep in the same bed with someone every night. No. Like, why would I want that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> Just... Absolutely not. And and I think that's the great thing now. I mean, years and years ago, when the very first Sex in the City series was on, um, I can't miss uh, what's her name Carrie Bradshaw was with Big and he said about that you know let's have you have two nights over there in your own apartment yes. and I can watch all my rubbish movies and you can do what you like and then we'll come back together and and her friends were horrified by this um you know but actually it makes so much sense now so much sense and it's so very it's actually very practical as well I mean and I, you know and it sounds really cynical or that but I'm not busting my ass all these years to pay my mortgage to marry somebody and then if I die first he walks away with it I'm yeah, sorry yeah. no, no. <laughs> not happening no, no. It, well exactly and it, it just you know it it but it, these are these are nor these should be the normal ways that we think as opposed and I remember being a viewer of that episode of Sex and the City thinking that same thing and now I'm like what a genius like that's absolutely like and actually absence makes the heart go fonder and you know people talk about or when people are in separate bedrooms that maybe they're not having sex like actually it's not true you probably would have more sex because you'd be coming together when you want to be together and not just having to lie in bed and make noise and you know do all of this kind of thing so yeah, it just seems to be to me now. I've 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 kind of talked about it. I've kind of gone so far onto the other side of solo powered that I'm I'm looking at the normative way, thinking that that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, know? I would I would agree with you. I'm, yes. I'm over. I'm on that other side of the fence now as well. Yeah. And you know, yeah. I think as well. You know, if if I do meet somebody, they obviously will be on the same page as well because you know, obviously, you're going to just attract like-minded people, mm. and um, and you know what what works for you as a couple, you know, that's all that matters. If it's working for you, and you know, don't mind anyone else, and and I think that's where I got caught up at 32. I was worried about what everybody else was thinking of me. You know, I wanted to be the same as everybody else. I really did, and and like I said, every time I tried to fit in, I fell flat on my face because it just you know, I desperately wanted to be the same as everyone else. I desperately wanted to be, you know, getting married. And it, but yet I was never that girl who thought about my wedding or thought about wedding dresses. I I, I just wanted to be married to be the same as everybody else. And that, that's terrible, mm. terrible way to live your life. Mm. And, you know, look, I suppose just before we we, we go back to, to your story, I, I just, you know, to touch on a lot of married couples that I know sleep in separate bedrooms, you know, like, and I remember years ago, it was always kind of like, if our friends' parents were sleeping in separate bedrooms, you'd be gossiping, thinking that there was something wrong with their marriage. Now, a lot of my friends often sleep in separate beds to their husbands because they have, they co-sleep with their child or because they're on different work schedules or, you know, whatever it might be. And so like it's, it often becomes just the normal thing because of practicalities, because of, 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 you know, of that. But again, 
people seem to think that the way in which a normal happy relationship should be is that it's sleeping in bed together every night. We're actually that the reality of that is just not true, right? It's just not the case. So it's not a case of you and I saying, oh, we're so advanced in our thinking that, you know, we wouldn't do that. It is actually just the way that it is a lot of the time now anyway. But the narrative that's out there is the opposite of that. And then that starts to make people feel bad about themselves or make them feel like that they're not doing things the right way, which is actually not the case. Do you know what I mean? No, it's not. Everybody has their own way of doing things. And, you know, as well, anyway, you know, even if I do meet somebody, there's a cat in my bed every night. You know, so he's not going to want to sleep there. He's going to want to be in a different room. Same, I'm saying with my dog, my Molly, she takes up more room than I do in the bed. Um, so Sinead, so you're, yeah, so you're, you know, you felt like you had to get married. You bought this, up, this house in 2005, probably not the greatest time to buy an apartment, I'd imagine as well, in terms of the, the mortgage prices and things like that. Rather expensive, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and then, and then tell us what happened after that. So all, uh, some, a series of misfortunes happened in, in about a week for you, right? Yeah, so signed, signed for my apartment on Monday, got dumped by the boyfriend um, on the Friday. He said I was totally unpredictable and he never knew what was coming out of my mouth next. And, and you know, and he had a fair point in fairness to him because um, God only knows what I was, you know, nobody ever knows what's going to come out of my mouth, including myself. And um, and then on the Saturday, I lost my job um, because I had worked, It was I was working in a bar, but I was also studying full-time as well. I was uh, trying to become a physical therapist and working and had a mortgage couldn't afford and and drinking was a huge problem because I was so miserable and I've been very honest in my book about the drinking and about how you know sort of a lot of people use addictions be it drinking be it whatever as a coping mechanism and my coping mechanism was driving me further and further into the doldrums because drink is a depressant and you know you don't think clearly you're foggy you know whenever you're hungover you want to eat crap so you feel even worse about yourself um, so really, I was on a very, very big downward spiral and I struggled on that all happened in the January and I struggled on till September. And that's when I ended up in St. Pat's for my, my own uh, safety. But um, like, to be honest with you, that day in St. Pat's was probably the best day of my life mm-hmm. because it set me on a whole new course. And, um, you know, Ed, it's it's something that had to happen you know sometimes you just have to hit rock bottom and the only way out of that hole then is to pick yourself up dust yourself off and get on with it again yeah and with the drinking because I think a lot of people can relate to drinking too much uh, particularly in Ireland we can relate to a lot of socialized drinking that can sometimes turn into and I think you know for me I, I you know I, I drink quite a lot I have a very social job and I um, have a large social circle um but I think, you know, for the first time I did dry January a good good few years ago was the first time I kind of realized I had this really interesting relationship with alcohol, shall we say, because it was the first time I did it that I had probably thought about having a drink a lot more than I thought I did. Do you know, it was like that first January was like, oh, maybe I'll just have a glass of wine. Oh, I can't look looking forward to have a glass of wine now when I finish. Work. I'm like, oh, no, I can't. I'm I'm on dry January. And then, you know, half an hour later, but like, oh, looking forward to having a drink, a drink now with my friends on Friday. Oh, no, I can't. It's dry, dry. You know, so you're constantly being like reminded of this thought that's that's just just coming into your head uninvited about alcohol because it's become so habitual. When you say about your drinking, what what kind of drinking were you sort of was was it something that turned social into something that turned quite dark or was it just something that was affecting your daily life? No, I was drinking a lot. I was drinking home alone. 
down, um, you know, yeah, guzzling the wine at night time. And then what I was doing was in the mornings, I would get up and I would go to the gym and I would really punish myself. Um, so I was on this sort of, um, you know, mission of self-destruction. And I wouldn't, I remember the stepper machine in my gym and I would not get off the stepper machine until I had burnt a thousand calories. Oh, wow. And because I reckoned that's what a bottle of wine had. So I would like guzzle the wine, punish myself, guzzle the wine, punish myself. And it was just a really, really bad, bad place to be in. And um, and, you know, a couple of people I was working in a restaurant, a well-known restaurant in Dublin at the time, and a couple of people said to me about, you know, and when I look back now, you know, they sort of commented about the smell of drink off of people. And I, you know, I don't know if they were sort of politely trying to tell me because, I mean, you do sweat it out of your pores. And, mm. you know, um, so when I look back now, I think, yeah, maybe they were trying to say to me, you know, sort yourself out. Mm. Um, but somebody like me just needs needs a bit more blunt than than a, than a suggestion I just need to be told <laughs> I to stop drinking <laughs> mm. and do you think like did you have much support from family and friends like were, were family and friends being kind of honest with you about things or no um no I think I don't know whether I was hiding it very well because I was going to the gym or whether I don't know at the time like honestly I feel like such a different person and it's all a bit of a like <laughs> excuse the pun but it is all a bit of a haze <laughs> <laughs> you know um maybe they were talking about me behind my back I really don't I don't know um but it wasn't uh, a good time in my life so I even if I was getting support I probably wasn't aware because right. no and it's just you know it's just interesting because I think again in Ireland we do live in a bit of that hush hush sort of society and particularly when it comes to drink you, you no one likes their drink being commented on or no one likes people saying anything to them oh you know you're going at it but, but you know you're a party animal you're going you're like feck off don't tell me well, you know everybody has that kind of uh, sensitivity when it comes to alcohol so people do avoid sort of saying it you know so it's just kind of interesting I'm a more blunt person I'm more like what's going on <laughs> what, what are you doing but then other people feel like it's not their business and so sometimes as you say sometimes people just want someone to kind of say something to them and kind of like you know ask them directly what's going on you know um but doesn't always happen. But okay, so you, thankfully, thankfully, you hit that rock bottom. You know, as you said, it was that really good sort of changing point for you. St. Pat's is a fantastic institution. I, I have, I know many people who've kind of gone through it. Um, well, you're. I mean, it, 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 it's, 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 it's a place in Dublin which has, has, has become so synonymous with people who are suffering in some way. And I know a lot of people who have gone through. St. Pat's doors or other doors uh, in, in Ireland. Um, but tell me, what what was your experience like then kind of coming out the other side of that? So what happened was I was there and I and I just, like I said, I got this absolute kick in the backside and I knew that I had to it basically sink or swim. And I decided, right, you know what? You got to swim. So um, or I- cycle. <laughs> Yeah, or cycle in my case. So I decided there and then, right, you know what? everything has got to change. And I actually, I actually ended up checking myself out of St. Pat's um, because um, I just kind of realized that I needed something more for myself personally. And again, it's, this is a personal experience. It's not to take away from anybody. And I decided I had always wanted to work on the cruise ships. And in my book, I tell, you know, how as a kid, I used to, you know, read atlases for fun. I just loved everything about the natural world. And I applied to the cruise ships and then in 2000 and 
2007, very early 2007, I walked on board the most beautiful cruise ship in the world in Singapore. And I was the brand new fitness instructor and um, which, yeah, but I had never actually taught a class to anybody in my life before. Wow. I had my qualifications just and uh, but I like I'd always gone to the gym and stuff, but um, I had finally decided to get my my fitness qualifications. And in the book, again, I'm very honest about, you know, Jane Fonda was a huge inspiration for me back in the day. And uh, I used to love doing her workouts up in my bedroom. I used to pretend I'd be studying and I'd be there doing Jane Fonda's workouts. And uh, anyway, I arrived on the cruise ship in Singapore and I spent the next year traveling the high seas, being a fitness instructor wow. on board. And I had the time of my life and I was I had given up drink for some time after St. Pat's, but then I had gone back on it. And when I was traveling around the world, I was drinking and having a few too many parties on board the cruise ship. Um, but it was in a, a much healthier, healthier way, um, although you're not really supposed to be drinking on board as crew. But <laughs> so. Um, I got I got called into the uh, staff officers uh, mess a few times and oh I actually had to I actually got a few um, you know here pee into that and let's see where you are and if you don't if you fail you get sent home straight away and I, I don't know how I ever passed but I did so <laughs> I must have really good kidneys or something oh my goodness but then um, so that that was brilliant that was a year and traveling and just met loads of people from all over the world and went to all these amazing countries that I'd always wanted to see and do. And I met the most wonderful friend on the cruise ships. She's from Florida, Lynn. And when Lynn and myself left the cruise ship, we went to India together. We did our yoga teacher training there in an ashram. And um, that was really, really funny. I was like Bridget Jones. I couldn't, uh, I just couldn't behave myself. You know, I was jumping over the wall and going off buying cigarettes because a bit like, a bit like, you know, when people are told they can't do something, they suddenly want to do it. And uh, that was me, of course, have to break the rules. I just cannot do rules. So I <laughs> so, uh, did the old yoga teacher training and went off traveling around India and then came back to Ireland and set up uh, my business as a um, physical therapist, Pilates and yoga teacher. Wow. And then all the life coaching and things have come on board over the years as I've got more interested in uh, not just the body, but the mind, the body and the spirit. Yeah. amazing Sinead. that's amazing kind of change and obviously obviously with the this being solo powered you went on to that cruise ship by yourself you didn't know anybody or anything like that when you went on it what was sort of going going in terms of the fear that or the motivation that you kind of ha- felt around that time in terms of doing something like that I suppose the biggest motivation was that I was embarrassed to be in Ireland because people knew what I had done and people were you know, obviously I felt people were talking about me and I just, and I I decided to remove myself. I had always wanted to travel on the cruise ships. I'd always wanted to work on the cruise ships. And I thought now is as good as time as any, I need to get the hell out of here. And and it's not running away. And I think there's a very big difference. I know people who run away at the drop of a hat and they will not face anything. Whereas I think stepping away and removing yourself from where you're not happy to go and learn about yourself and to go and have a good time so that then you can then come back into that situation in a better place. Mm. Um, I think if I hadn't gone traveling, I probably would have slipped back into my old ways. Mm. And I think I, I would have done worse damage, to be honest with you. I, I don't think it would have ended so happy if I hadn't mm. gone away. Mm. But walking onto the cruise ship, I arrived in Singapore and a taxi dropped me off at the port. And I walked up the gangplank and like it was just like literally being in a movie, you know, like this Audrey Hepburn movie. Fabulous. 
and I stepped on board and announced my arrival and then I was swiftly taken out of this beautiful lobby down the back stairs into the staff quarters and I was handed uh, you get a seaman's book like you know your, your passport's taken off you and become a sailor basically and then I was told to get upstairs you have a class at five o'clock that you're wow. teaching and I was like what oh my goodness wow straight in the deep end straight in same wow wow and at my very first class that I ever taught to the general public was in Singapore. And it was um, an, an apps class. I'll never forget it. I was there going, oh, just do 10 more of them. You'll be great. Oh, my God. Well, fair play to you. Like, it's a very brave thing to do to embark on a new adventure like that for for anyone it's it can be a scary and uh and brave endeavor to do but for you it was about a fresh start it was about a clean slate and it was about putting your your own health and your happiness first and 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 looking to with the future which is amazing um obviously then you came back and you become a solopreneur so you're yeah. you running your own business um and, you know, how did you find kind of coming back into that sort of Irish landscape as this sort of new, new woman, yogi, businesswoman, <laughs> as it were? Um, so when I came back to Ireland, it was like after the yoga teacher training and everything was late sort of 2007. And, and I was a, I was looking up, I picked up a lot of freelance uh, teaching like Pilates and stuff in some really nice uh gyms here in South County Dublin so people might remember me uh, for teaching them and and I always remember sort of you know it was still in the height of the boom 2007 and you know I was teaching all these sort of ladies who lunch kind of thing you know and uh, I, I found it hard because I wasn't like them you know and again I had stepped out of that whole um, you know put keeping up with the Joneses kind of thing I wasn't interested in it at all and then you know suddenly I was working in these places where everybody was trying to keep up with the Joneses but then sure enough 2008 came along and there was a massive economic crash and actually a lot of them then had to end their gym membership unfortunately for them mm -hmm. but so I but I but look I it wasn't easy coming back to Ireland I didn't have customers I didn't have anything and then like I said I just picked up work here there and everywhere and built uh built on that and every year just just got a few new clients every year just you know I started setting up my own classes then you know and then my physio clinic was going well and and then uh yeah I just kept doing course every year I, I would do a new course um you know being an add-on for you know at the time I was doing sort of antenatal prenatal and all this kind of stuff but now I'm doing a lot of mental health courses I did um mental health and well-being and an advanced diploma in that relationship coaching business coaching and um I'm looking at executive coaching now for this year as well that's amazing ahead. amazing amazing and I think for me being a coach as well you know I had suffered burnout you know there's a lot of different things that I had kind of gone through and I think for me it was really important that I kind of practice what I preach as a, as a coach and that you're able to kind of not be an inspiration but that you're able to sort of stand by your belief as a coach that people can do anything that they want to do and anything is possible and that they, you know, have to uh, believe in themselves and turn their thoughts into action and then kind of go for it. And I think, you know, you're a very good example of that as well in terms of putting that one foot in front of the other and continuing to set goals for yourself. So I think you mentioned, you know, one thing that I do every year is I do my wheel of life. I do my goals lists and I look at the various different things that I want to do. I think that's something that you practice as well, right? 
I do. I'm very, I'm very big into taking responsibility for your own life and your own happiness. And, you know, again, that's a really big message in my book that yeah. I didn't sit around waiting on Prince Charming to rock up on his horse or or anyone else for that matter, that I made the decision to get on with my life and whatever comes along, comes along. But I do the first um you know, I had done courses and things. And then in 2010, I took my very first trip to South America. And, I, you know, in the book, I talk about I sat on the plane and when the plane door closed, like this great big groan came out of me, you know, and I think it was like this big sort of release of tension or stress or something. And I just got into this um I just all I wanted to do was journal. I took out my pen and my paper and I was frantically writing and writing and, you know, making goals and, you know, writing letters to myself and just it was basically doing an audit with myself. And I guess I kind of just basically vomited up all these repressed feelings that I'd had for a very long time. And and that's something I'm very, very uh, honest about now. I do that every year for myself. Every day I'm checking in with myself every day I have little checklists, even just on my, my, my to-do list, but, you know, other things that I always make sure I do, you know, is try and get decent amount of sleep, make sure I have social activities in the diary, make sure I get out and meet other people. I'm in my cycling club, but, but absolutely having a vision of some sort, be it a vision board, be it a wheel of life. Um, and in my case, it's journaling. You, you just have to know where you're going or at least where you want to go. And, um, it's funny because I was cleaning out some drawers the other day and I found old journals mm. and I opened it and one of them was, I'm going to be an author. Mm. And and I was like, God, you know, even back as far back as 2010, I had written that. And, um, you know, but it, I think as well, taking pen to paper solidifies that thought, um, you know, rather than just thinking it and it's there rattling around your head by actually writing it down, it becomes concrete. And when you see it, you do it. Yeah, a hundred percent. I I love when I find old oh, little scraps of paper, a piece of paper that I've of things that I've written down because it's like it's almost like being a, a mystic Meg of yourself, right? You're like you're like, oh my god, how, I did it, what I said. But that is the secret, really, isn't it? That is what we do as coaches is that we basically just help people take their thoughts into into words or and then into action, and that is how you get things done. That is how you get to achieve your goals. It really is that simple but of course we know that life gets in the way and of course that there are various different obstacles and there are various different um uh things that happen in a person's life or to a person's health or whatever it might be a pandemic <laughs> that might kind of like put those plans in you know but then it's just a matter of really reassessing and looking and saying you know is this something that I really want to do and despite that setback how can I look positively at that setback and what can I actually do differently or what can I try again in order to be able to 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 do the things that I want to do so you wrote down in 2010 that you wanted to be an author but you recently just published this fabulous book but obviously life is a cycle how did the world of cycling kind of come into your life and and all of that um after the cruise ships and when I was back in Ireland and I was um maybe a year back at home and I had sort of set up the business and everything I was teaching Pilates actually to a man that I knew and uh, he said oh I'm in a cycling club and I said oh I love cycling and he said oh why don't you join the cycling club and I was like yeah why don't I and uh I'm kind of one of those people you only have to tell something to once, you know, and it's done. So um, the next thing I knew, I was the brand new member in my cycling club. And then um, and I loved it. You know, and my first my first big cycle was from uh, from Dundrum to Greystones, which uh, is 50K round trip. And I thought I was a legend, you know, 
and um and from there it just went on and because I was in a club then I was going out every weekend and we were going further and there was always other people there but I've always I've always said it you know when I found my cycling club I found my tribe and it was a huge part of me being happy in myself because nobody cared about my past my present or my future nobody cares that you're married not married no, nobody cares what job you do what you have in common is your bike. We talk about bikes. We talk about cake. We talk about the coffee shop we're going to cycle to. And after there, we talk about how the coffee shop was. And then, you know, we talk about the weather and we talk about all kinds of nice things. Um, so you're and- like the Michelin guide, but for cake shops. But, you know, but we've, we're, you know, we all have great friendships. And then, you know, we started going on weekends away and, then that's when I started cycling abroad. Um, in 2014, some of the cycling clubs said they were going to France to cycle in an event. And I'd never heard of the event. And they said, well, we're going to France. The Tour de France? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. And I'd never heard of it. And they said, oh, sure. Do you want to come along? And I was like, yeah, OK. And, uh, and the next thing I was in France and and sure enough, I was cycling a part of the Tour de France. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, um, and I there's a whole chapter dedicated in the book to that particular uh, trip because, you know, sometimes naivety actually does stand to you because had I known what I was going to, had I done any research, had I really looked at it, I would have said, no, I'm out of my depth. I'm not ready for that. That's maybe three years down the line. But because all I heard was France, sunshine, bikes, I was like, oh, sure, go on, I'll do that. And I rocked up. And um, But I got around, and I think that's that's kind of my biggest message in the book, is that yeah, if you just keep one foot in front of the other, it doesn't matter where you're going. And, in, and that particular chapter I've kind of dedicated to giant tortoises because I had seen the giant tortoises in the Galapagos, and I loved them. And when I was on my bike and I was struggling up the hill, I just kept saying to myself, no, what would the tortoise do? The tortoise just keeps going. And um, so I just pretended I was a tortoise for the whole journey. And um, and sure enough, uh, the tortoise got across the line. Brilliant. Amazing. I love it. Um, and it's funny because I actually love cycling too. Growing up, I'm one of eight kids and have four older sisters, three younger brothers. And my dad never let us have bikes um, because he always thought we were going to be killed by a truck. That was his always thing. You'll get killed by a truck. I don't know why. Something must have happened when he was younger. But of course, as soon as my three brothers were born and were able to cycle a bike, they were allowed to because they were the boys, right? So, um, but yeah, I kind of grew up not really being on a bicycle, not recycling. And now every time I go traveling, I always do a bike tour and I love, uh, I absolutely adore doing the bike tour around the different cities. I was just in Stockholm on a solo weekend and I did a bike tour. I think it's such an amazing way to see a city. And I always rec- and I've recommended it to so many people and a lot of people have taken up that recommendation and then they go, oh my God, I loved it because you see all the sites in three hours and then you can just go to a pub or go to a restaurant or just do whatever you want to do without feeling guilty that you're not seeing all the sites, right? So it's a perfect way to, to travel. But I also love the freedom that I feel when I'm on a bike. I love when we go down a little hill and I go, and I kick my legs out. And, you know, I, I actually love the experience, but I don't own a bike. I don't have one. And I just listening to you now, you're listening to you now, you're kind of inspiring me of joining a bike club. And, um, but the, the thing about it is, is that I always see them on the road and I always get a little bit nervous that I'm going to hit one or knock someone down or whatever. Safety is it, is it, is that an issue for you and on, on in, in terms of the roads or traveling around the Europe or anything like that? 
Um, so in Dublin, I have a bike with a, ba- a very heavy bike with a basket. And, the, you know, if I'm commuting, I would be on the heavy bike. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's there's pretty good infrastructure, um, mostly, mostly. <laughs> That's, um, but anyway, and then but in my cycling club, obviously, I'm on a very light bike and we'll be cycling in a Peloton. Um, it's it's one of those things. Look, I started with the beginners. Like I said, you know, my first cycle was from here to Greystones, from Dundrum to Greystones. And. And, you know, it, it took me all day, but I got there and uh, but I was with the other people and you learn from the other people and you talk with the other people. And it's it's like anything. It's like the first time you drove a car, you didn't know what you were doing. Uh, but the second time you kind of had a bit more of an idea and, and so forth, so forth. Um, but but I would say, look, there's plenty of really nice cycling clubs to join. And actually, Meetup is a great place. There's an app called Meetup and Meetup is brilliant because there are not cycling clubs on it but there's groups of people meeting up and saying oh let's cycle the bay or let's cycle here or let's cycle there and they would be a really nice place to start I think because they're um you know there wouldn't be the the distance wouldn't be as far the fitness wouldn't have to be as good and uh, it might be a bit more casual if you know what I mean than a Mm. cycling club Mm. um so but but I do think things like meet up are fantastic ways to get out of the house particularly with winter coming um, it is important to have a hobby personally, I think. And, um, you know, for instance, now today, the weather was too bad to get out for a cycle, but I went to a spinning class instead. And, and you know, and I got talking to other people there today. So that was really nice. So just having a hobby of some description and particularly based around fitness, you're always going to meet like-minded people. Yeah. Um, our Irish Country magazine, the November issue was coming out next week. And in my live coaching column, I actually talk about friendships and how to make new friendships because I see it a lot with my coaching clients. So there seems to be this, um, you know, a lot of people are coming with that goal of making new friends or making more friends. Um, and I think it's really interesting as well, just in terms of your point, like, you know, that sort of wanting to kind of get away maybe from the group of friends that you had, maybe they knew too much or maybe they weren't as supportive or maybe they, you know, judged you or whatever it might be. Um, and I think, you know, when when we grow up in sm- such small, close-knit circles in Ireland, we kind of feel like that we have to stay friends with these group of people, even if they're no longer serving us, even if they are actually maybe holding us back from wanting to achieve different things you know because it's not the the way that everybody else is doing it um but also I just think people feel like that there's not 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 an awful lot of ways to meet people and I think absolutely as you say having a hobby joining a group picking up a new sport be willing to kind of put yourself out there and um I think if you're able to do that and I think this is the other thing from a solo pirate perspective when you're you know you've done a lot of solo traveling people are worried about going solo traveling because what will they say or you know will they be lonely or you know all of these kinds of things but I think you can probably agree with me and attest to being a solo traveler is a fantastic way to meet new people right like you're not very much a solo traveler when you're traveling because you just make loads of friends everywhere you go would you agree Oh, 100%. I have friends all over the world. And actually, I have a godchild in Finland now because I met her mother on a on a solo trip. We were both. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and she's actually an independent mother. There is no father. And in Finland, um, you know, if you go and get a donation, that's what you're called. You're called an independent okay. mother. You know, you're not single because there is no father like it's you're independent. And actually, Finland is very progressive and they get a lot of benefits for being an, an independent mother. Mm. But I have I have friends all over the world and I've gone to visit them. They've come to visit me and we keep in touch. And, and actually, during the pandemic, it was my friends abroad who I kept most in touch with because 
we were able to ring each other because we were all on the same page about things. And, you know, the time zones actually worked. So like Australia, New Zealand and Ireland, you know, if it was my morning, it was their evening. So we would have great chats and same with the USA. And um, and then I have a really great friend in Madrid who during the pandemic, I just decided to, I had enough of everything. And I took my bike to Spain for a month and I went to Madrid and I stayed with her for three days in Madrid. And, and like that, I met her in Colombia on a trek in Colombia. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So again, like that is solo travel just opens the world up to you, doesn't it? Because you get to meet so many new people. I'm actually uh, one of the girls who I met while I was solo traveling in France last year. Um, she sadly passed away and um, I'm meeting her mother tomorrow for oh, dinner. Yeah. Her mother has flown in from America. So like, you know, it's just fascinating. These new friendships that you can kind of create that that go on because of just a random meeting and you know so many people who who don't want to put themselves out there because of fear maybe around that um i suppose don't realize that they they, they they're closing themselves off to potentially amazing new opportunities that are out there for them um how much solo traveling have you done around the world to maybe talk to us a bit about that oh i've been all over the world and uh, my next trip coming up solo is to costa rica and panama wow. um but no i've done i've done a, most of southeast asia um i've done a lot of south america and um, this is my first trip to Central America coming up. Um, and actually, I just want to go back for something that you you said there. I, I actually was asked to go on a radio station one time and we were talking about solo traveling and the host or presenter. Now, I don't know whether she was just trying to be um, create a debate, but she kept saying, oh, but I'd miss everything. I'd miss my friends. I'd miss this. I'd miss that. And I, and I said to her, You've, you're not going to miss anything. You've everything to gain. And I kind of said to her, you know, stop being so negative. Yeah. You know, stop looking at what you're missing and look at what you have to gain. You only yeah. have, you only have gain when yeah. you go abroad. And when you step out of your comfort zone, yeah, there's a reason it's uncomfortable. You're out of your comfort zone, but it's the best thing you will ever do for yourself. You'll learn to grow resilience. Um, you know, you just become a much more rounded person. Um, so, so yeah, but traveling all over the world, I've been, I've been to a, an awful lot of places. I've been to 70 countries now. And 70. I'm wow. Amazing. We're near finished yet. Yeah. And I'm really, really excited now about, um, I'm looking forward to Costa Rica, but I'm actually very, very interested in Panama mm-hmm. and, um, I'm going to spend Christmas. Um, it's called the San Blas Islands. And I'm going to have six days there and there's no, there's very limited electricity. There's no telephone, there's no Wi-Fi, nothing. So I'm, I'm actually really looking forward to that. And, um, you know, people, people pay a fortune to go into rehab or whatever, but yeah, personally now I'd rather just go to the, to Panama and go off into some Island on the Caribbean far better. Amazing. <laughs> my journals with me. <laughs> no, and it's so funny, you know, I, I was recently on a radio show as well uh, here in Ireland where I was asked to go on to talk about being solo and to talk about socializing on my own and going out on my own and going to a restaurant on my own or the cinema or wherever, like go out loads of places that I go on my own. But like that, the radio presenter was very much like, really? Like, why would you do that? And I would never do that. And I could never go out on my own. And and they had a text message come in, which they read out while I was on the radio, sort of saying, you know, oh, like a woman who eats on her own is a weird, it's like, it's a weird thing for someone to do. And I was just like, I was like, I need to get off this show because this is absolutely the opposite of what I'm trying to promote. Um, it's, 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 it, it is crazy to me the, how the majority of people out there find eating on your own or socializing on your own or doing something on your own strange like I was on Ryan Tuberty 
as a guest at the beginning of this year on his radio show because me traveling solo across Europe with my dog was that much of a topic of interest that I was going on the radio, do you know? Whereas it actually is something that is, I think everybody should do it. Of course they should. <laughs> I think it shouldn't be something that's a minority but or, or weird, but something that if you don't do it, it is it's weird, you know? And I think to encourage that and to talk about it and to hear more people like you and your story and and to hear about the positives of it. Um, and even if you're in a relationship, even if you are married, I mean, I have a friend who's going to come on the podcast soon. She's married, she's a kid, and she regularly goes away um, on her own. She regularly goes and has a night or two in a hotel on her own because she just wants that little break. And, you know, her and her husband are fine about it. And I've had Rob Kenny on the podcast talking about he's recently just got engaged and he regularly goes away on his own and goes on solo trips as well and yet when I've talked about that to some other couples they are they really balk at that idea you know why would we why would I go away without my partner or without my friends so yeah it's just I suppose it, look it's different folks for different strokes absolutely but but mostly what I think it is is stigma what it, mostly what I think it is is this idea that people will feel weird or think that they're weird because of because of radio shows like that, because of the general kind of consensus of people talking about it is that there's something. So I think, you know, we need to have more people like us spreading our stories. And obviously it's brilliant that you're doing that with your book. I know you've been on quite a few podcasts recently. Obviously you're working as a coach and trying to kind of spread that message. Um, You're a single woman as well, right? I mean, talk to me about sort of the, the freedoms that come with that or the benefits that come with that in terms of being able to take off to Panama and Costa Rica for, for the Christmas. Yeah, sure. So, and, and actually just, I don't know when you were traveling, like the Israelis are brilliant because the Israelis after school, they go into like conscription, but then after their, whenever they come out, I think the girls do six months and the boys do nine months, mm-hmm. but they all go traveling immediately after that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's brilliant, you know, that they, that's it. You, you finish school, you do this and then you do that. And, yeah. you know, and so they're all off traveling solo. So there's a whole nation out there that have it sort of sussed already. Yeah. Um, talk about, um, Oh yeah, the freedom that I have. So I I adore being free. <laughs> um, probably because nobody will put up with me, Adam. Um, no, I I I am very much a free person and and I and like that, even when I did have boyfriends in the past, I would go off and do the Camino or do that. And and it's you know, for anyone that's listening that is in a relationship when you do go off on your own, you have something to come home to and tell your partner all about. And, yeah. and you, you know, you've got fresh conversation. Um, so that, that would be my biggest tip to people. In, and, and, you know, you, you find yourself again, you know, cause you're not his wife or girlfriend or their or his or them's or any of it, but, um, but you're just a far more interesting person. Um, for me, traveling solo just is when I'm at my most happiest. Uh, it's when I feel I'm really, really, really authentic. It's when I feel I'm in my most happiest and shiniest place. And um, and as much as I love being here and having my family around me and as much as I love my home and I have a little cat now and uh, as much as I love her and everything, but I, I still have to get away and I make a particular attention and I go away every December I will not do December in Ireland it's just horrific I hate the darkness I hate the weather I hate the cold I hate the crap that goes with it I hate the the whole 
all those stupid ads on the TV, you know, everyone looks so happy and they're pouring gravy and they're all like, yeah. I'm like, no, no, that's not real life. I'm no, I'm not buying into that. Um, but I, but actually, I guess that's that's what it is because I won't buy into that uh, marketing, and uh, I would rather go no. So I I leave. And um, where was I last Christmas Day? I actually, oh, I know exactly where I was. I was lying on a beach in Thailand. Wow. And I have a, a little travel yes. Christmas tree. I have my travel teddy that comes absolutely everywhere with me. A little a Snoopy dog, actually. My Snoopy comes everywhere with me. And I have some uh, dangly earrings, my little uh, Christmas dangly earrings. And that's my Christmas day. And I'm delighted. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I definitely will love to do something like that myself someday. Again, big family that I have, but... Christmas, you know, takes on different meanings as years go on, as people pass away, as people get married, have kids. And, you know, it's um, I I definitely think that I haven't yet, but I will definitely think I'd love to have a Christmas away on my own, which would be just absolutely wonderful. Um, And yeah, the I was going to just completely lost my train of thought there now. But um, the the thing that you were saying just about loving your freedom. And I think what you had said earlier on was you were in your early 30s and you had bought this this uh, apartment and you were kind of sad about it because you were thinking, I don't want to be one of those lonely old spinsters. And here you are, you know, with your cat, you know, this cat. But I mean, have you changed your attitude? Because I think that's the most important thing is that we are changing our internal attitudes to that. And I, you know, do you celebrate yourself now? as opposed to feeling that it's something that you didn't want oh gosh no I I'm a very different person I mean that that's the thing and and, you know I wrote the book for people who who are where I was back in 2005 somebody who's feeling lost somebody who's feeling stuck in a rut somebody who's wondering is this it you know and because that's where I was and you know my mess is my message and the story takes them on all the bridges that I overcame and, you know, the, the path that I that I took to where I am now, which is in a very happy place, very content place. Yeah, I am older now. I'm 50. So, you know, thankfully, you know, nobody's pressuring me about children. Um, I guess as well, I have now the the gumption to stand up and say, no, that life's not for me. You know, this is my life and, you know, suck it up. Um, you know, if you don't like my lifestyle, then, you know, sorry about you. Um, and I think that's, you know, what everybody does need to realize is that there are so many lifestyle choices mm. and everything is a choice. Everything in life is a choice. You have a choice to be happy, a choice to be sad, a choice to accept yourself, a choice to hate yourself. Um, and I think that's where I've grown the most is that I'm able to say to myself, no, you're doing really well. And when I sit down and have my audits, I, all, I you know, I will always look at, you know, what have I done well? What's gone well? you know same as if you're in a job in the corporate world and you're having a an appraisal you know they're not going to just sit there and bash it well I would hope not (laughs) um you know you're going to look at things logically and go okay this area of my life needs improvement I'm yeah not not so happy with this or I really want to improve that or you know and I and I just think yeah I'm just in in such a good place and mentally physically emotionally spiritually that um that that's why I feel that I'm able now to help people who are where I was all those years ago. So so I, you know, people who resonate with me are the ones who are maybe coming into an empty nest or a broken marriage, um, you know, or they're they're suddenly single for through death or through whatever reasons. And they just they just don't know where to start. They just don't know where life begins. They just don't know what to do with themselves. They have too much time on their hands. 
people coming into retirement is a big one. And I think Mm -hmm. it's an area that people don't often think about Mm -hmm. that suddenly you've been needed, wanted, you know, 40 hours a week or more. And then suddenly, you know, they all seem to come in with this word obsolete. And that that's a huge word. And it's a very sad word, you know, because there's so much out there for you to see, to do, Mm. to enjoy. Mm. And that's what I really want to show people that it's it's okay to be alone. And you know what? You can have an amazing time on your own. Um, Now, there are there are days. Look, I'm not sitting here every day going, wow, this is amazing. Of course, I have bad days like anybody. And but it's having your coping mechanisms. And that's what I really help people with, because I know myself, I can't be here in December. I just can't. It's too dark. I get really down on myself. So I know that my best way of coping is to get the hell out of here. And that's it. It's, there's just no other way around it. Yeah, it's in it's, you know, it, it, you're you're absolutely right. I think for anybody who's worried about things or stopping themselves from doing something because of fear, it's like identifying that fear and then finding a way of overcoming that fear by 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 solving the issue. Right. So, you know, um, like I've talked about here about potentially being an independent mother. I love that new term that I've just learned from you and and talking about having a baby on my own. And, you know, obviously the biggest concern at the initial at the initial stages is the sleepless nights. So, you know, you know, I was thinking about that in the shower the other morning and I came out and I was like Googling, you know, night nannies. How much do they cost? You know, could I afford to have a night nanny two nights a week that would be able to come in? And, you know, so it's like every problem, there is a solution. There is an opportunity. And I know not everybody is in a privileged position from a money perspective to be able to necessarily do all the things that they want to do. But if you really want to do something, you'll find a way. There will be a, there will be answers to solve the fear or to solve the problems that you are envisaging. It's just a matter of like seeking them out. When I'm a coach, when I'm coaching people and they say, well, I don't know, I don't know how to do this. I always say, well, what do you do when you don't know something? And what you do when you don't know something is you figure it out. You Google it, you research it, you find the answers until you do know it. And then you can, you can, you can, you, you know, can do it. You ask somebody who's been there, done that, worn exactly. the t-shirt and that that's me uh, for anyone who's feeling lost or that, but like that now, I mean, you know, I could put you in touch for instance, with my friend in Finland and, you know, and yeah. you can, because we, I had all these conversations with her when she was planning the pregnancy and then the pregnancy was coming along. And, you know, there's so many pros and cons to being of of any situation. But, you know, one of the biggest pros to obviously being an independent mother is she can raise that child how she wants. She doesn't have to ask anyone about, you know, which school or what religion or what bedtime or values. You know, she teaches the children, excuse me, the child, all her values that she wants her to have. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, like <laughs> you, you, I'd love you to introduce because, you know, I've had people on the podcast who have had babies on their own and I would love to have more. And I, I, I have some more schedule to kind of come on and talk about that as well. And the more um, experiences that we have in relation to that would be amazing. You know, I recently was working with some client, a client who was coming to me because she was entering into retirement as well. And she was, you know, um, worried about that. And she really had this idea in her head of what retired people are and the retirees and the sort of, again, that label that gets touched on to that. And, you know, I talked to her about like just creating these mini quests for herself, like what you were sort of what you call an audit um, and sort of looking at like, what are the things that you would like to do? What are the things that you would like to achieve over the next 18 months, 12, two years? And suddenly she had this long, long list of things that she could do. And, you know, um, you're absolutely right. I know 
know we had a, a, a mutual uh, connection of Vaughn Redden who was on this podcast previously she's written recently just an article in the Irish Examiner I believe about retirement and about um again that is another that is another label or another stigma that is attached to people that once they reach a certain age they have to act a certain way or be a certain way and I think that's massively changing as well I think you know I think a 70 year old now is very different to a seven year old 20 years ago um and I think that's why coaches or why people like you and I are becoming so popular because I think we're helping people to see the different routes to carve those those other paths and I know in, in uh, what you've talked about or even like making a whole new path for yourself as well right that's right I mean you're always going to come to crossroads in the in your life and you know and there will be times that you're going to head down a you know a cul-de-sac and you're going to have to do a complete 360 turnaround and other days you're just going to have to build a whole new road or sidestep and and that's really what my my mess you know and my message is is that you know you have to keep changing direction and you know like even airplanes don't fly in a straight line you know they're constantly going off course and you're getting back on course and and that's what you have to do in life you have to be resilient you have to be adaptable and there are skills that I feel that we're not teaching people enough we're teaching people to be boxed in we're teaching people to conform we're teaching people to to be sort of uh um what's the word I'm looking for um just really obedient mm. Um, and then somebody like me who just won't be obedient. And I think that's why why we struggle in, in sort of, you know, because, you know, you kind of feel, oh, well, I should be obedient. I should be the same as everyone else. I should do this. I should do that. Mm. And there's a really great expression, you know, uh, stop shooting all over yourself. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so, you know, yeah, but there there are no shoulds. You, you can be whatever you want and live your life any way you want. As long as you're not causing harm to anybody else, mm. then, you know, go for it. And as long as you're kind to yourself and I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned over the years because like I said I used to get on the gym I used to punish myself I used to berate myself I never liked looking in the mirror at myself I I hated everything I saw in the mirror and um and you know really really terrible way to treat yourself and you know I wouldn't treat I wouldn't I wouldn't treat an animal the way I treated myself I wouldn't treat anyone the way I treated myself and and I think just learning self-compassion and self-love and self-respect and self-worth and then having the self-esteem and that's when you will that's when you're the happiest in yourself Mm. yeah it's such a good message and you know, it, it, it when you were sort of talking about that being sort of the bold girl or being sort of the 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 the, the different person, you know, and and it is, it, I suppose, there is ways in which the world needs to operate. Otherwise, there would be kind of anarchy, right? But there is that if you are the girl in in class that's kind of making the jokes or making the laugh, you know, you're labeled as that person. You're labeled as the naughty one, the black sheep. Whereas actually, it's just probably expressing you're trying to express your personality. I've recently been watching the latest season of Sex Education on that. Netflix. I don't know if you're a fan, but they have gone to this new school, which is sort of this utopian idea of what (laughs) what a modern day school should be like. Um, And I'm watching it thinking in one way, this is so ridiculous, but in the other way, this is so wonderful. This is so beautiful. If this was the way in which schools were operated, you know, it would be incredible because they're given the freedom to be themselves. And, you know, they're still learning and they're living in this sort of social democracy almost of like kind of everybody looking out for one another. Um, But I think actually that's probably Finland as well. (laughs) 
<laughs> Probably, yeah. They're really progressive. Yeah, really exactly. Are. The Scandi way of living, the Scandi way of education is all about that sort of social democracy as well, which would be, and it was how we originally were in Ireland with the Brehams and then it was all taken away from us. But um, but yeah, you're right. It's just, you know, I teach that, I teach confidence courses and I'm always talking about how to champion yourself. And when you look in the mirror to champion yourself and not speak to yourself in the way that 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 we don't, wouldn't speak to our best friend in the way that we sometimes speak to ourselves so it wouldn't be our best friend for very long right um but um oh my god this has been such an interesting chat and so inspirational and you know I'm so glad that you you found your way out of that rock bottom and that you've lived such a beautiful and lovely and inspiring life um and a life I'm very jealous of actually and you know (laughs) I'm 41 now and you know I've loved every decade of my life thus far I'm looking forward to the rest of my 40s but excited now to get into my 50s and be as fabulous as you are Sinead and (laughs) (laughs) Christmas on a beach in Panama uh as well which would be a, a wonderful thing and I think that's the thing I think we need to celebrate people like you more celebrate the achievements of people like you more in the way that we celebrate an engagement or celebrate a wedding or celebrate a baby being born. We don't do enough celebrating of the other people who are doing wonderful things with their lives as well. You you know, you're dead right. And actually recently a friend of mine who's also single and childless said, you know, (laughs) we we should get, you know, a week off once in our life, you know, to cover maternity leave that we're never going to have, you know. And uh, and I thought, God, that's not a really bad idea, you know, because I know in um, Diageo, if you're getting married, well, you used to anyway, I'm not sure if they still do, but if you're getting married, you get an extra week's holiday that year. And I was like, okay, yeah, so they're getting maternity leave and an extra week's holiday and and and, and children's allowance. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Like, and tax like, breaks for being married couples. Break. And yeah, absolutely. Well, but this is why the society, I mean, you know, it irks me how society is set up for that for that way of living. Um, in Ireland, it's very set up for the way of the family, whereas in other countries, South Korea and Scandinavia, it's very much set up for the individual, um, which gives a lot more people opportunities to, to, to live the life that they want to lead, whether that be in a couple, whether that be polyamory, whether that be by themselves, whether that be whatever. It's about creating that choice as opposed to the insinuation that the family is the only right way because of how the, how this, this society is set up. Yeah. And even, you know, I think I think one thing that's hugely unfair is inheritance tax, because because I'm not married and I don't have children, you know, if if you know when I die, everybody is is a class B inheritant to me, you know, so they're going to have to pay. I can only give them three thirty seven and a half thousand tax free each. Whereas obviously, if, if you have a child, you can give the child, I think it's up to three hundred twenty thousand tax free at the mm-hmm. moment, um, you know, which means you know, our property is worth less mm. because they're going to have to, you know, it's just, it's just, again, just one little thing. And it's kind of like, oh, come on, you know, you know you'd be able to nominate one person, um, know. you know, your niece or a blood relative, just one blood relative and they can inherit it. It's crazy. I I, though I was listening to the sponsor, Spinsterhood Reimagined with Lucy Megason, who was a previous guest. She had a guest on her. He specializes in um, inheritance for solo people. Um, and he was sort of saying that the complications around it are just insane. But he was also kind of saying, you know, if you have a million quid in the bank when you die, who does it go to? He goes, well, first of all, if you have a million quid in the bank when you die, you're doing something wrong. Spend the million quid. He's like, don't worry about leaving it behind for your, your niece or your nephews or your your dog or your cat he's like 
spend it, <laughs> you know? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's yeah. 100% the good, the best advice, I suppose, as well. For single people, yeah, just spend it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually, I was cycling down in a Greystones recently and there was this great big camper van. It was really beautiful. Like it was a proper motorhome, whatever you want to call it. But across the back in huge letters, they had written on it, spending the kids inheritance. Yeah. <laughs> I loved it. I thought, yeah, you do right. Go on. And I love that too. And I, because I, I, I have an issue with inheritance in general. I suppose it's a whole other conversation for a whole other podcast. But I do have an it because I've seen it again with my coaching clients causing nothing but consternation and nothing but aggravation. My best friend is a tax accountant and she spends all day, every day, um, sorting out litigation between uh, people who are arguing over inheritance and ultimately the only people that win are the solicitors and the accountants. Most of the money does be gone by the time anything is resolved. And these families are just torn apart by, by ridiculous money. You know, it's like, you know, I think people should try to forge their own ways in life and not be reliant on the inheritance. But that is the other thing as well. A lot of people don't live their lives as much as, as happy as they want to be living because they're thinking about the money that they need to live for the kids. You know, or that they need to save for the kids, spending it and having a good time, and exactly, or even just being in these miserable jobs because they're thinking, "Well, I need to put money in the bank for the kids." I mean, you know, it's 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 creating this, you know, wheel of unhappiness. (laughs) Very much so, yeah, and and that is the thing, you know, most people will stay on the hamster wheel rather than step off it and and you know live a full and happy, fulfilling life. And a lot of people are just going through the motions and Groundhog Day is every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But no. well, I think we need to have a, well, you don't drink anymore, but I would certainly love to have a bottle of wine with you uh, where <laughs> I just drink the bottle of wine because I feel like that's the kind of conversations that we could have. We could talk for hours um, and, uh, and, um, and, you know, shoot the breeze on all of these different kind of shared interests that we have. But I, for now, really appreciate you kind of coming on the podcast and sharing your story and talking about everything and being an inspiration and um, it's been lovely lovely chatting to you so thank you so so much thanks for having me Ariana. it was lovely to chat to you too thank you